1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
2: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sup China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Xin. China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with exciting Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Cynical podcast. And I'm Ada Shen in Paris. First, a look at this week's news. China's currency continued weakening last week and hit its lowest level in a year as escalating trade tensions between China and the U.S. eroded market sentiment. Investors are also betting on monetary easing. Thursday was the last time since August 2017 that the yuan's rate fell below the psychologically important level of 6.7 per dollar. Analysts have been widely expecting that China would weaken the yuan to offset the impact of growing U.S. tariffs, but the central bank has reiterated that it will keep the yuan stable. Investor sentiment is also driven by speculation that China will move toward monetary easing amid mounting concerns over tightening domestic liquidity that has squeezed businesses.
1: Speaking of the yuan, it grew more international over the course of last year thanks to a sound Chinese economy and closer trade ties among countries participating in the Belt and Road Initiative, according to a new report. The RMB Internationalization Index, an indicator that tracks the prevalence of the yuan in international economic activity, rose 45 percent in the fourth quarter of 2017, according to the Redmond University report. China has been eager to get more international business conducted in the yuan, but the country's capital controls, exchange rate policy, and the currency's recent weakness have stood in the way.
2: Two U.S. companies specializing in Hyperloop, a futuristic transport technology using high-speed pods zipping through sealed tubes, have secured funding from Chinese sources to advance their high-cost development. Los Angeles-based Hyperloop Transportation Technologies is set to build China's first Hyperloop system in southwest China's Guizhou province under an agreement with Chinese government-owned Tongren Transportation and Tourism, according to a company announcement. At the same time, Arrivo Corp., also based in Los Angeles, separately announced it has secured a $1 billion credit line from state-owned China General Technology. Arrivo will make the credit available to developers of projects anywhere in the world using its technology, it said. China is keen to develop cutting-edge technologies like Hyperloop and to participate in their commercialization as part of its broader effort to create more higher-value-added products and services as it moves away from its traditional strength in low-margin manufacturing.
1: Britain has joined the U.S. and Australia in voicing concern about leading Chinese telecom equipment maker Huawei, saying it has, quote, only limited assurance that the company's products pose no national security threat. A new U.K. assessment marks a reversal from previous ones that said Huawei had mitigated risks posed to the country's national security. The U.S. has long asserted that Huawei poses risks due to the potential that its equipment could be used for spying by Beijing and has blocked the American government and major private carriers from buying Huawei products. The report concluded it has limited assurance that risks from Huawei's involvement in the UK's critical networks, quote, have been sufficiently mitigated, close quote, and that it, quote, continues to fall short of industry good practice. Founded by a Chinese former military engineer, Huawei has long denied any links to the Chinese military or government. Whereas the U.S. has kept Huawei at arm's length, Britain has been far more receptive to a company that has become the world's largest supplier of telecommunications equipment and is also a fast-growing name in smartphones.
2: The smaller two of China's three major wireless carriers have simultaneously announced a series of top executive moves, fueling speculation that Beijing could be contemplating a merger between China Telecom and China Unicom. China is the world's largest mobile market, with more than a billion subscribers, nearly all of whom get service from the three big carriers, China Telecom, China Unicom, and industry leader China Mobile. China Mobile is the dominant player in the group, controlling about 60% of the market. China Telecom announced that President Liu Li was leaving just 10 months after joining the company from China Mobile. He will become president of China Post Group, the nation's postal authority. Meanwhile, Unicom's president, Liu Yimin, is leaving as well to become president of a state-owned engineering firm. Unicom's new president will be Li Guohua, holder of, stay, stay with us here, the China Post presidency that is being taken over by China Telecom's Liu. The moves come as media have reported that Beijing may be considering a merger between Unicom and China Telecom, as part of an effort to consolidate the sector and reduce the large cost of building new upcoming 5G
1: networks. Chinese car-hailing giant Didi Chuxing is taking its service to Japan by launching a joint venture with Japanese conglomerate SoftBank. The new venture, Didi Mobility Japan, will test a taxi-hailing service this fall in Osaka with a plan to expand into other major cities including Kyoto, Fukuoka, and Tokyo. The new unit's advanced technology may help Japan's taxi industry to reverse a decline, the companies said. Didi's business in Japan will initially be limited to matching riders with professional taxi drivers. The Japanese taxi industry, third largest in the world, has been in decline. Currently, just 40 percent of taxis run with passengers, a ratio the DD service could help bring up to 60 percent on par with China's, the companies said.
2: English soccer giant Arsenal FC thought it was onto a winner when it held a signing ceremony in April, not to nab a new star player, but to announce that China's largest electric vehicle maker, BYD, was its official car and bus partner in a $180,000 deal. But the BYD representative, signing and stamping the contracts at Arsenal's stadium, was in fact a fraudster with a forged seal. The world's sixth richest soccer team issued a statement admitting it was the victim of fraud and both Arsenal and BYD were investigating. BYD has recently issued four notices identifying the alleged fraudster as Li Juen, stating that she and an accomplice are not company employees, both are now in custody of Shanghai police. Domestic media reports suggest Li may have tricked as many as 30 advertising companies into signing fraudulent contracts in BYD's name, totaling some $160 million.
1: China this week received its first delivery of liquefied natural gas from one of the world's most ambitious energy projects in Russia, north of the Arctic Circle, just seven months after it began production. A vessel carrying gas from the $30 U.S. Yamal project completed its 23-day journey along the Northern Sea Route, starting from the plant on the Kara Sea in northern Siberia before traveling down through the Bering Strait and arriving at a port in East China's Jiangsu province on Thursday. The ship was greeted in an arrival ceremony there by the general manager of PetroChina, which has a 20% stake in the project, as well as the Jiangsu vice-governor and a large gathering of other officials. The journey marks the first ever gas shipment to China along the Northern Sea route, which has the potential to halve the current shipping time of 30 days it takes to use the westward route from Russia via the Atlantic, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Suez Canal. While the route is currently navigable only between June and November when Arctic ice retreats, the warming global climate is expected to keep it open longer.
2: Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Sysin Global's reporters and editors to chat about some of the stories in the news. First up is Coco Fung, business reporter with Caixin Global. Coco, we always enjoy talking to you since you've always got some fun stories for us. Huh? This time we're talking about Google. What fun is Google getting up to in China?
3: Google has launched a little game in China powered by its artificial intelligence technology. I think it represents the latest attempt of Google to boost its presence in China, since it largely retreated from the internet market in 2010.
2: So tell us about this game and where we can play it and, and how, how to play.
3: The game was launched on WeChat only, Tencent's social network app, last week. And it went viral just within half a day after the launch. So the game is it's similar to Pictionary, where users can draw the keyword provided by the program, such as a spider or an umbrella. And the AI behind this will guess what the word is within 20 seconds. Yeah, and people can share the screenshots of their drawing, which are very funny on their WeChat timeline, so it goes viral very quickly.
2: So if it doesn't guess within 20 seconds, it's it's actually that you've lost, not not that Google has lost, right?
3: Right, right, right.
2: So what's the game called in English, and uh, what's its Chinese name, too?
3: It is called Guess My Sketch and Caihua Xiaogu in Chinese.
2: So the bigger picture here is that, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, Google mostly left China in 2010 uh, in what was a frustrated retreat. Really, you know, things weren't going well for it. Uh, They've made some tentative moves to get back into China. Can you tell us what they've done to try to get back in and maybe give us a a timeline?
3: After the 2010 retreat, its other services like Gmail and Google Map were also blocked in the following years and and as well as uh, Google Play. But starting 2016, after its CEO visited China for the first time, Its activities largely increased. After the CEO visit in December 2016, it has resumed its annual developed conference in in Beijing. And then in 2017, in May, it um, held this AlphaGo AI game uh, against Chinese Go master Jie, And then in December, it launched an artificial intelligence center in Beijing. In January, it opened a new office in China, in Shenzhen City. And In May, it released the Chinese version of its file management app called Filesco.
2: So that brings us up to today then. Yeah. So, so the final question, uh, you've been playing this game. Are you winning? Are you losing? And uh, what's been your best drawing?
3: Oh, my drawing is terrible. And sometimes they couldn't recognize some of my best works. For example, there's a Mona Lisa, and I think I, I, I've done it very well, <laughs> but, but the, the AI didn't rec-
2: So maybe you're like Picasso, uh, your, your, your level of abstraction is just too high.
3: Right, and there's a very hard question called animal migration that I never got it right.
2: Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't know what to draw for that either. Coco, great talking to you as always, and good luck with Guess My Sketch. Uh, we'll talk to you soon again, okay? Okay. Next up is Doug Young, managing editor of Caixin Global, with a couple of pieces to chat about. So first, we're going to the movies. Uh, and normally, hearing about you know the movies in China,
0: we've got all these huge box office numbers. Uh, but not, not this time, eh? Right. This is actually just the opposite. And uh, this is sort of a fun story because it's about a, a big flop. There's probably lots of flops in China because uh, the domestic movie scene isn't supposed to be that great. But this one was notable because it was one of the biggest budgets of any domestic film in China. It had an, a budget of over $100 million U.S. dollars, and it didn't do so well. So uh, just to give you the quick background, the, the movie was called Asura, and it had all sorts of A-list stars and had a, just all kinds of credentials. I think the director was a big name, and it had all kinds of special effects and everything. You know, $100 million, you can get a lot of stuff But then the movie opened in the box office and and they ended up yanking it after just three days. It uh, bought in a grand total of about eight million U.S. dollars in three days, which is, you know, movies make, I don't know what the figure is, but something like half of their money they make in their first week at the box office. So this one was not off to a great start and uh, got a lot of derogatory comments were being made online and and i guess people who went to see it weren't giving it that great buzz uh so well we see these movies all the time with
2: these gigantic budgets and these big names attached and even though the stories pretty uniformly suck uh they still recoup their money at least uh, what, what what do we think
0: happened here was it just a case of an abjectly terrible script the producers are pointing the finger at, at this one Chinese website that I guess is responsible for generating a lot of the buzz, a site called Mao Yan, saying that they were panning it and there were also some other big movies, some big Hollywood movies and theaters, so there there were a bunch of factors, and then there are some people out there who are saying that this actually may may have been a stunt, or not not a stunt, but a tactic. They saw this movie was was sort of tanking, so rather than let it keep tanking, they yanked it, get the publicity, and, and then they may actually re-release it, which makes sense. I mean, if they put $100 million into it, just to take it after three days seems a little bit, uh, you know, it'd be a huge loss, so... Some people are saying they may re-release it at another day, you know, when there's less competition because summer is typically a very competitive time at the box office.
2: Okay, then. Story number two. It's a bit convoluted. uh, So why don't you unpack this for us?
0: Yeah. Story number two is is a fun story. It's connected to the World Cup. There's this company called Vati. V-A-T-T-I is a Chinese company. They're a maker of kitchen appliances. They make like those fans that you know ventilate your kitchen and and hot water heaters and stuff like that they got this bright idea that they were going to sponsor team france uh which you know is fine enough uh but then they decided since we're sponsoring team france we'll do a promotion basically guaranteeing that france if they win will give you refunds on on particular products purchased within a particular period and you know what are the chances uh you know they put out this promotion before the tournament began, and you know no team is ever that heavily favored at the beginning. But guess what? As any football fans out there, or soccer fans out there will know, uh, France actually ended up winning. So uh, Vati ended up with uh, a lot of refunds on its hands. And, and before
2: we talk about that, I, I think the irony needs to be noted that even though Vati was sponsoring France. In fact, they've basically been betting against the French team, right?
0: Yeah, they're sort of betting against them. But, you know, people looked at this promotion and said actually that Vadi got a lot of publicity out of it. Because a lot of media, you know, including Taishin, we reported on this. And God knows we've never, ever written a report about Vadi before because it's just not that big of a name. It's like a very second tier plants maker. So they got a lot of publicity out of it. And then some icing to the cake is uh, we did a little bit of spade work afterwards to find out how much Vadi was actually on the hook for and it turns out the amounts aren't huge. Uh, they basically are only on the hook for online sales because uh, sales that went through third party retailers and and other third party channels, they had to make up the refunds, right? The third party So if it's sold in a, you know, in a, an electronic store, the electronics store will make up the, the refund. So they only had to do the sales that were direct over the internet and they're not even giving back. Money. They're only giving back vouchers, and the vouchers are good for other online marketplaces. They're they're not completely worthless. They're not only vouchers for other Vati products. You can buy things on Tmall, which is a very popular shopping place. So it's it's not worthless vouchers. But you know, for anybody who thought they were just going to get some cash back and these free appliances, they will have a, a second thing coming. And, and apparently, some of them have been complaining a bit.
2: At least to me, this sounds like quite a marketing coup for Vati. Uh, as long as the the backlash isn't too big so is this what marketing genius or just blind luck
0: the one analyst uh, we quoted in our story was saying like they they invested some peanuts and they got back you know an elephant they got they got back a lot of a huge return um but again you know it was a little bit freakish because france happened to win so if france hadn't won you know probably the other marketing experts would have said oh they wasted their money because you know they bet on a, a for a losing team so you know, this was a, a case of them betting on the right player and and coming out pretty well.
2: Well, Doug, thanks for talking to us as always, and we will speak to you again next week.
0: Okay, thanks, Kaiser.
2: And that's this week's show. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Syndicate Business Brief is powered by SubChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Taishin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Check out the latest podcast in the Sinica Network, New Voices, or New Voices, which is a show about feminist issues in China. Be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Sign up for our free email newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.